We at Pre-PT Grind would like to extend an act of gratitude to all our followers for their love and support. We have decided to end the July 6th essay deadline and replace it with a pay it forward essay exchange. We would like to reach as many students as possible and therefore we need your help. We ask that you please give us a Facebook review on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the pre-PT grind so we can reach as many fellow students as possible and help them on their journey for pre-PT success. Pay this act of kindness forward and enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you very much. What's up, everybody? This is Casey and Joseph here with another episode of the Pre-PT Grind podcast. Here is where we help you decide, prepare, and transform into becoming the best DPT students and the best future physical therapist you yes, can sir. be. Today, we're joined by our first pre-physical therapy guest, <laughs> Alex Jesper. What's up, guys? Thank future you for Dr. Having. Alex. <laughs> It's an honor to be on. Thank you, guys. No problem. Uh, I think this is really cool, actually. Um, And we were talking with Alex a little before this recording. Like, it's cool to have somebody that is not yet in PT school um, and kind of hear their perspective, their story, their journey, especially for our pre-PT listeners. This is an amazing opportunity for all of you. So after you finish listening to this podcast, make sure you share it with everybody you know that is either thinking about going to physical therapy school or is currently pursuing that. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. Alex, once again, thank you so much for joining us on the Pre-PT Grind podcast. It's an honor. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Let's getting it. started, getting started. <laughs> tell, just talk about, talk about and tell everybody where you're from and how you found physical therapy in the first place. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I'm from Missouri. Um, I'm from Washington, Missouri area. Um, I'm 23 now, and I was exposed to physical therapy at at about the age of 14. Um, I was exposed playing baseball. Uh, I was pitching a lot, and uh, just one day couldn't pick up a baseball, and uh, just had a lot of pain in my right shoulder. Talked to my coach, and they sent me to physical therapy. Um, Physical therapy at the time didn't help, so they sent me to the Cardinals team physician, uh, Dr. Paletta. Dr. Uh, George Paletta, and he diagnosed me with a slap tear. And when he diagnosed me with there, had the surgery about a week later, um, went through some intensive rehab. And uh, that was that was history as far as physical therapy. Um, being on the patient side, it really sucked. Like, you know, it's, it is tough because uh, I didn't know if I was ever going to make it back to baseball. Um, I eventually did. But, uh, you know, I think I was trying to go the competitive route, try to go for a college scholarship with baseball, just didn't work out uh, after the injury and uh, went to Mizzou thereafter D1 school and obviously didn't have the uh, skills to go D1. So um, then pursued physical therapy after that. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't a direct um, path to physical therapy. It it seemed kind of like my passion, but a lot of people told me to go the safe route, if you will, uh, business. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, went business for a while and just, you know, just burnt out on that pretty fast and uh, just went physical therapy after that. And it's been, it's been tough, you know, schools, school is not easy to get to physical therapy. Um, I've had my fair share of struggles, but uh, it's my passion. I've, you know, I've gone through some struggles even in physical therapy, but uh, even in trying to get to physical therapy school. So the more I've kind of been around it, the more I've loved it. So 
that's an amazing story to begin with. Um, and I know there's a lot of individuals that have stories of encountering physical therapists at some point. Um, it could be in the form of an injury or they have a family member or a friend that went through physical therapy and that's how they encountered it. Um, however, you went from a point of, of being the patient and whatnot to eventually saying, hey, maybe I want to be on the other side of the, of the interaction. I want to be the therapist. And so my question to you is for our listeners that are saying, yo, that's a, that's a great story. And I'm, I'm kind of in the same position. I've, I've been through an experience like that. I do see the benefits of physical therapy, but, but I haven't really nailed whether, whether I should even really go in that direction as a career. So for you, Alex, what, what were some of the things that you thought about as you were looking at physical therapy as a career that connecting with your experience as a patient really pulled you towards it? What, what were some characteristics that you saw in your therapist? I mean, what were like, what are traits that pulled you towards the field? I would say the thing that pulled me to physical therapy um, at the beginning was the fact that my therapist, and actually, let me preface this by saying, uh, I've talked to Jerry Durham before, and he talked about when you take somebody out of their label. So my label was a baseball player at the time. I was a baseball player. But once I was injured, that was pretty much taken away from me. So I didn't know exactly how to classify myself and I felt pretty lost. But what the, the interesting thing was, is when I was in physical therapy, um, my therapist saw me as Alex. He saw me as a person and he treated the person, not the, not the condition, right? And once he treated me in that sense, I, he had so much time with me. We talk about physical therapy and we have the most time out of any pretty much other provider uh, and he connected with me on a point where I was pretty much lost, but I knew that if I kept going to physical therapy, I had the chance to get back into what I love. And I think just connecting with my physical therapist for, you know, 30 minutes at a time uh, per visit um, and him, his, his name ironically was Buddy and he, you know, he wasn't, yeah, exactly. His, his name was Buddy and he was, he was actually a great therapist and that he went beyond just the normal. He was asking me how I was doing like outside of the clinic. And it really just resonated with me because I, you know, I didn't know if I was actually going to make it back to baseball and I didn't even know if I was part of the team, but he made me feel like I was like, we were on the same team, like me and him. And so just that aspect of like, you know, maybe my teammates forgot about me. Maybe my coach forgot about me, but I know my therapist hasn't forgot about me. And just having that, like, you know, people who go through that struggle with you of trying to get back, people don't forget that. Some people are very, very grateful for sticking with you through the very tough times. And just being able to experience that, I was like, this is what I want to do because everybody wants to be your best friend when you're up on top, but nobody wants to be there for you when you go through the struggles. And Definitely. Although minor, but, um, you know, it was tough. So I, I really appreciate that. And it just ever stuck with me since then. So. How do, how do you think this experience will, will influence your future career in school and once you're out in the profession? I'm going to say I think a lot of times uh, we can – or just in general, people can get caught up in um, how insurance reimburses or the logistics of everything. But I think we really forget about the emotion behind the patient. Like we are – we should put the patient first. And I think once we kind of nail that down, hammer that like, you know, down, I just think that we, 
we try to do so many things, so many complex things. I hear people talk about trying to do so many complex things, trying to get people back, but we can't really um, stray away from the fact that our like humans are emotional based. They make decisions, logical decisions based off emotion. And um, the fact that I didn't miss a physical therapy visit was the fact that I, I felt cared for, right? It wasn't the fact that like my insurance took it, took, took that clinic or that provider or that he could, I mean, I don't even know if he had any certifications beyond just the regular uh, PT, but the, that speaks to that is the fact that I didn't even know that I was just hoping that he would make me better. And he did. And he made me feel even better than that. And I just think the more I can kind of focus on my patient, even in school, I, I just think sometimes if we get too far away from the basics of therapy and just the people profession, I really think it does a disservice for our future patients. And I really hope I can one day really do that for my, for my patients as a provider. And you're talking about something that, that I think is really cool um, from even like Casey and mine's perspective, listening to you because it's easy to get caught up in, in the craziness of PT school. I mean, once you're in, along with those that are listening that will get into physical therapy school. Uh, once you're in, you learn a whole lot of information about how to test certain things and all this other stuff. And that's, and that's great. Like it's obviously that's how you're going to know it's a, it's objective, right? You have to know whether you're making gains or not. Right. Yes. But the bottom line is it's all about the patient. And I think that it's, it's very easy to forget that part. And that's why I think it's important what you're saying, because it's easy to forget that part and say, well, all I'm trying to do is get the knees straight. All I'm trying to do is get some strength in their, in their arms and whatever, like anything, right? Um, because I'm looking at it from the outside in. But then if I don't take the time to really listen to the patient and hear what's really bothering them, uh, like I've had some patients recently where in the first few minutes, you think you know what's going on. You think you know what you want to do. And then you, like, you hesitate, like, I've hesitated from saying something just long enough for them to keep talking. And once they kept talking, they unveiled several more layers that helped me treat them the best way they needed, not necessarily how I wanted it to be, but the way they needed it. Um, even the mannerisms that I utilized, the, the conversations that I would have, um, some individuals just want to be heard. Some individuals just like, you want to feel like a human, right? And we all come with our baggage. And so that's why I'm saying, bro, like if you carry what you're saying right now with you into physical therapy school, outside of physical therapy school, you're going to make an amazing clinician. And that goes to anybody else that has the same perspective, because I think that's one important element to remember because we can make all the games we want um, and all that other stuff, but we're treating people. And people have have their physical, their emotional, their spiritual. I mean, there's different layers to what makes us us. So kudos to you, brother, uh, yeah. for having that take from that experience. Yeah. I, to, to piggyback off what you're saying, it's, it's interesting, I think, to kind of expand on it because um, when I was going through physical therapy, not only did I have this major surgery that I lost my label, if you will, of baseball player in high school and trying to go to college, but at the same time, I didn't mention to my physical therapist at all that within that month span of having my surgery and going through rehab, I, lo I lost both of my grandparents within a month, and I lost one of my best friends in a car accident. And just I had all of that baggage that I was bringing to physical therapy that I never talked about. And really, 
all of that was pretty much, I mean, it was still going on in my life, but we're in a rehabilitative field. And the fact that somebody will just sit there and spend time with you that, I mean, that, that was life changing for me. That was life changing for me because I was going through one of the hardest times in my life, you know, taking, taking painkillers as prescribed, but still, I mean, it's no, it's no joke. Like at, at 14, right. Like to be kind of like going through like some, some tough uh, experiences. It was, I, I, I made it out fine, but you know, there was some things that I really went through as a kid that really not a lot of kids go through at that age. And I guess that just made me stronger. But at the same time, I had a really strong physical therapist, not physically, I mean, physically, yes, but also emotionally. Uh, He's very emotionally competent. He was there for me all the time. Um, We weren't switching physical therapists all the time. We had a consistent therapist that I knew who I was going to see at what time. He's very upfront and very clear with me. And I knew what was expected of him. And it was just a, it was a great experience, but I needed that great experience in that toughest time in my life. And I think I think just all of those lows at one time, I experienced uh, just a really strong support system in that time. And I, you know, I don't, I, I, I probably don't think he's listening right now, but uh, if he is, uh, shout out to him, buddy in uh, Washington, Missouri, for sure. Um, he was there for me. Wow. Wow. That's, yeah. that's super powerful. And, and thank you yeah. for, for sharing your story. So yeah. if, if there are pre-PT students or even DPT or clinicians listening, from being on the patient side, are there any tangible tips you would give us mm. as pre-PT students in observation hours, clinicals, or people in the clinic now, like tangible tips from what Buddy did for you that you can give to us to use in the clinic? So what I would say, coming from the patient side, um, and even working at an orthopedic clinic within the past two years, a common theme that I thought or I've heard within people that I know is that um, not too physical therapy per se, but I think it's in the healthcare realm in general, is that some people just don't feel like people are paying attention to them. The patient doesn't feel like they're actually being acknowledged. They, you, you have their documentation, you have all of their vitals, you have their information, um, but for some reason, people are bringing up the fact that I didn't even get to spend that much time for, like, with them, I didn't even feel cared for, they felt like they were rushed, and, and that's not to say that it's valid or invalid. I'm just saying that is what they're feeling. And so you can't, if you try to, if you try to argue with them and say, well, you spent, you know, 15 minutes with me, it doesn't matter because that's not how they're feeling. They don't feel as if they're cared for. So what can you do to better accommodate them? And I guess for me, uh, or at least with my experience, he just, he, he, like, at least like for my first eval, or when I got, went in for my eval, I told him exactly how my experience, how it happened. Like I was like, okay, I was playing baseball and this is kind of how it went down. I can't move my arm. And so he basically, and, and, and I guess like, and, I, and Paul talked about, Paul Goff talked about um, this before, but he was talking about, it's not always in the clinic, the problems you have problems sometimes outside of the clinic itself, as far as like clerical people or people that are doing things. When I walked into that clinic, they knew me by name. Hey, Alex, how are you doing? Nice to see you. And I felt, I felt cared for. And I knew that they were expecting me, not what was your appointment? What was, when was your appointment? What time is it? And who are you? Like it was, it was, hi, Alex, how are you? Like, good to see you. We were expecting you. And that completely changed. I, I knew that they were expecting me. So I showed up because they were waiting for me. They'd call outside, ask how I'm doing, how I'm recovering, asking if I'm doing my exercises and I would, I'm honest with them. And I just think 
at least from my experience um, in there, it was a great experience because the overall care from top to bottom, from therapist to clerical was just uh, second to none. So what I'm hearing is listening, first of yes. all, um, so that the patient really knows that you are hearing them. Two, communication. Um, so communicating accordingly, even reaching out and um, obviously taking account of what's been going on in the patient's life and saying, hey, how such and such. Three, I, I think another one was even just names are powerful. I don't know. Like there's something about yeah. just, I don't know. Name like if someone calls me by name, I just feel like <laughs> I immediately feel like we're homies. Uh, I mean, like if we're in the store somewhere and someone's like, hey, Joseph, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. I'm going to yeah. pay attention because I feel like it's someone that I know. And so instead of just being the patient, you become Alex, the individual. And I think that's excellent. Now to kind of switch gears a little bit, Alex, um, you've been part of a course, the Smart Success Physical Therapy course. Uh, we had uh, Greg Todd on here some episodes ago. We've had a few Smart Success students on here as well. Even Jerry. Uh, we had Jerry on here and he was talking about the live event and whatnot. But, but you went through the course as a pre-PT student. Whereas most individuals are already eight plus years in the field or their PT students kind of, you know, setting themselves up for the professional level. But you started a little earlier. And the reason why I'm bringing this up, man, is because I think, I think that's, that's another thing that's phenomenal about you. And y'all, if you guys are listening, Alex is no joke. Uh, because if you guys can look up, if you haven't heard of Smart Success Physical Therapy, listen to Greg Todd's podcast. Y'all know what you need to know, um, and you will know where to access it. But what Alex did is he decided to invest in himself. And by investing in himself, he, he took a course where he was um, connected with a lot of other PTs, PT students from all over the country that were just ready to kill it, aspiring to do big things with their career, whether it's owning their own business, their own practice, and even to the point of uh, really using social media for, for marketing and also educating. I think educating is the key word uh, because with physical therapy, there's a lot of people that don't know what PTs do. And so the avenue that we have in, in social media is, is huge. But Alex got into the course a lot earlier than most of the other people on the course, which one, someone might look at and be like, man, you have several years before your PT, but I think it's amazing. So we have Casey on here. Uh, Casey started like blogging um, and doing a whole lot of other stuff on his website. Um, so you guys can check that out for sure. Casey, shout out your website real quick. Casey Coleman, pt.wordpress.com. There Check we it go. out. Check it out. There, there we go. And I'm about to give y'all some secrets to Casey's blogs, right? What? So, so, so Casey, <laughs> yo, it's exclusive, exclusive, exclusive. So, 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 so what Casey did, which is something I wish I would have done if I had started something like Smart Success a little earlier, or if I had started using blogging and just a social media platform to really educate people on PT is Casey took what he was learning in PT school and then he would say, hey, I can take this same message and repackage it and people would learn a whole lot and i would be able to reach my target audience and so you alex man you got you got just everything loaded for you because once you start pt school even before pt school you can document all this like you have so much access to so much information that by the time you're done with physical therapy school man you better be the number one person i see uh -huh. 
when I type in physical therapy, anything on Google and whatnot, just because you have that opportunity. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because opportunities, opportunities are huge. And um, the earlier you take them, um, it may seem a little, a little risky. And I'm sure it felt that way, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's not just, uh, we're not talking pennies. Exactly, exactly. But the earlier you take those risks, that are investments that could lead to something bigger, the more thankful you'll be for them down the line. And I would say to anybody listening, um, it doesn't have to be smart success PT, even though we prefer it is because you're not going to find anything close to it ever, period. <laughs> but, but investing as a future physical therapy student is just as important as investing when you are a physical therapy student and when you are a physical therapist as a professional. So Alex, walk us through what, what persuaded you to invest in yourself even before getting into PT school. Yeah, so I guess the biggest thing was just from just doing a lot of reading and researching uh, as far as, not even as far as physical therapy, but just some intelligent minds like Warren Buffett. He talks about you are your own biggest asset. And if you have the chance to invest in yourself, it's probably the best to do that. I think a lot of times, and Greg's, Greg's talked to this before in some of his videos, but talking about, uh, I, I mean, I'm a little strong-headed at point at, at some times in my life, uh, but he talks about, you know, physicians writing referrals and basically just doing the doctor's orders. And I think some of that just kind of comes off as me being stubborn. Um, and I don't know how well I could take that, although if it's for the patient, you know, if it's in the patient's best interest, then of course, but I, I, I don't follow orders just to follow them. Um, I'm going to critically think about things and weigh options. And I think I just had that kind of mentality for a while. Uh, just growing up, uh, my parents have not always, my parents have gone through like their fair share of like uh, health issues and stuff. And I've kind of, from, from a very early age, I've always critically thought about things um, just in general you know, not taking things just because somebody tells you or so. So I, I guess I invested in myself because I trusted in myself. I just, I just felt like, okay, I can stick out this money and you know, it's not, it's not chump change, but I can stick it out and I believe in myself. And I just decided that, that if not, and I, and I watched the testimonials uh, that were on his website, which were uh, huge and they were great talking each and every person uh, had something different to say. And I just knew from the beginning, like when he said that, I was like, okay, well, these are people that are like-minded and I can invest in people that are like-minded in me. So not only was it the content that I really thought that would be um, beneficial for me and my future professional career, but also the community that I would gain. And I hundred percent uh, do not regret what I, what I did in investing in myself and, um, Right now, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because we're sitting here today and talking and with like-minded people and speaking to a crowd that hopefully will eventually, you know, kind of take heed of that and for sure, like, adopt that kind of mindset. So you invested in smart success, but you were one of two pre-peace students at SSPT Live. So, <laughs> so how did that happen? And talk to us a little bit about... Uh, if someone's interested in coming to SSPT Live 2018, what you got from it as a pre-PT student and what they could possibly get from that experience as well. I guess being pre-PT, by the way, when I was at the live event, not once did I ever felt like I was an outcast for not be, like being in the profession yet. So like for sure, the fact that that profession can just 
embrace somebody that is just like impa- like just passionate about the field. Uh, it's like, oh, you don't have your DPT, like get out of here. It's like, no, no, they, they completely, they completely embraced you. And we had conversations and not only this, and that's what I want to touch on was the fact that like, even with SSPT as the course and having like-minded individuals, but it's all about for like, not only you, but people that are around you, it's about leveling up. Like I knew that the people that were around me at before SSPT, there were people that were not, not, uh, not people that want to level up. They're very uh, condescending and, you know, all these other things. And I'm not going to go into it, but just not healthy people, very toxic. And uh, so once I was enrolled in SSPT, it was a great experience. There are people that, you know, you kind of get in the, you kind of get in the uh, group and you're kind of like, what's all this positivity? Like, what the hell? Like, you're just like, okay, like, okay, I'm down for this. Like, I, I love it. And you kind of start feeding into it and you start taking action along with everybody else. And it's just, it's just easy because you've, you fall into place with everybody else because that's who you are. And I just was myself. And I guess from there, I had such a great experience in SSPT as far as the course goes that once the, once the live event, ticket came available I was like yeah I already already invested myself much like already like this much and uh it was a great experience so I could stick out a little bit more and uh, meet all these great people and so that's what that's what I did because I guess I don't I I I mean to be honest like I I plan on trying to make myself the best clinician as possible And, and that's with CEUs and things like that that's that's what I'm going to do but at the same time if you don't connect with your patients they're not coming back anyway so I guess it's all about building relationships. And if you can't build relationships with your colleagues, then, you know, I just think in general, like I was like, okay, these are like-minded people that have influenced my life in a positive way. I need to connect with these people and just let them uh, level me up as much as I want to level them up, even though I'm not in their field yet. Everybody has something that they can teach each other, even if, you know, you're a DPT or if you have a CSCS or OCS, like there's something that somebody can offer you that in their life experience that um, regardless, you know, it just, just takes a little bit of listening. And I think that's perfect because that's exactly what this, what this profession needs. Um, and I think on the other side of it, like you, you have to have, I mean, you can't give if you don't already have. So if you mm-hmm. expect to, like, so you were saying, like it was an extremely positive environment. Everyone was just aspiring to just do big things or had already started doing big things. So um, it's a very different environment from what I'm used to, I, like as well. Uh, because the people I surround myself with, um, some some are like that. Others could care less. And I mean, they're great people. This is not speaking to their character. This is just talking about um, their outlook. And so, mm-hmm. being around that type of environment is, I don't know, man. It's it's like an addiction almost. It you know is. what I'm saying? Like it like it's crazy. <laughs> but but with our patients, that spews out as well. Because once, once that becomes us, and that's why investing in yourself becomes so important, you have to have in order to give. Yeah. I can't give you the, 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 same type of, um, the same type of outlook I have. I can't give you like, the energy I have. I can't give you hope if I don't have hope. I can't give you motivation if I'm not motivated. So we have to, we have, to have what we want to give before we actually give it. So switching gears slightly, Back to uh, pre-PT and school and technical, practical aspects. Talk to us a little, about, a little bit about um, things like your observation hours and letters of recommendation and just specifically those two things right now and how you went about uh, getting your observation hours and also getting letters of recommendations if 
if you haven't done that already or if you have done that already. I have uh, some people lined up for my letters of recommendation. I haven't formally asked them yet, but I think I say that uh, because I've had a community of people that have um, been, they have been giving me advice regularly saying, okay, well, you just don't want to ask for any letter of recommendation because a lot of people agree to write you a letter of recommendation. That doesn't mean you're going to get a strong letter of recommendation. And just because you have a strong letter of recommendation, um, what, what can they speak to you on? Um, there are some people that I think that could speak to me on like some good things, but I want some people to speak on to me as a whole as like Alex, not he's going to do good in school. I mean, uh, uh, hopefully that's a given at this point. Or not a given, but that's kind of you know that's that that should be expected if you're going to a doctorate program that you should that you should at least be competent in school. And there's some struggles I understand, but you should really have that stuff figured out by the time you're applying to a doctorate program. So I think some people that can really speak to your character as a whole. So there was some people I think that I've asked um, as far as observation hours that were good for uh, I guess some fields that I wasn't familiar with, um, some like, uh, travel PT. I did a few, few hours in travel PT. It's kind of hard to come across those though. So, um, I haven't done many of those, but I guess my letter of recommendations, uh, specifically, I have some few, like I said, few people in mind, but I haven't formally asked them, but I think they're pretty well aware that I want to ask them because I've kind of got above and beyond for them. I've tried to make that connection with them. Um, there was somebody recently, that uh, I just got done with the class. I just got done with the class. We spent all day in class and uh, I was pretty much tired, just completely tired. Just wanted to go back to bed, uh, come home, go back to bed. And somebody asked me, he's like, Hey, would you mind doing this extra? He just kind of asked it to the class. Would you mind doing this extra thing for me? And nobody, nobody volunteered. And we just sat there cause we just got done with a full class about four hours in lab. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I'll do it. I was like, I'll do it. I was like, I'll raise my hand. I'll, I'll do it. And uh, I was like, not, not necessarily to get the letter of recommendation, but I want, I want to have that conversation. I want to build that relationship with somebody because otherwise you're just another face in the crowd. And, and uh, I also want to work with this person. It was with athletes, that opportunity. And I also wanted to work with athletes and he was a certified strength and conditioning coach. And that's kind of my, my, uh, uh, my uh, niche, I guess if you'd say. And I, I just took that opportunity and um, I think just building that relationship on a different level as opposed to just like inside the classroom or observation hours, getting outside of that. And I think Berg talks a lot about that, uh, plug for Berg here, but Berg talks about, uh, you know, the importance of observation hours and getting those letters of recommendation, not taking those lightly because anybody can write a letter of recommendation, but you want a good one and, and a quality one, somebody that can speak to your character all around, not just uh how you did in the class. I mean, that's important, but more than just that. So piggybacking off that, uh, what, what school uh, are they writing these letters of recommendation to, just for us to get an idea? Well, I'm applying to uh, this upcoming year, Tennessee State University. I've had some people recommend that one, and I looked into it, and I really, I really like their mission statement and kind of what they're about. Um, and I fit the application uh, as a whole well because it hasn't been uh, just a clear straight path. Um, I've had some struggles with school and there's um, some things that I wouldn't fit in well with applications. So I think finding that school that you can really fit in with because I think if you just look at kind of how they're structured and what they weigh as far as like GPA or this or that, um, as far as like extracurriculars, volunteering, 
things like that, it's going to be pretty apparent how they uh, show in their application. And I did a, and it took a lot of um, searching, but also talking with people that are as an SSPT. Um, Chelsea, she really recommended in our in season three. She recommended Tennessee State, and I looked at I, and I went through and I looked at kind of what they were about and everything. I was like, this is what I was looking for the whole time. And so, yeah, I'll be applying to Tennessee State. And I, at least for me, and I can't, I can't speak to as if like this is the way to go. It's just at this point in my life, this is kind of how I see it. But really focusing in on one or two schools, one or two or three maybe schools, and really just going after those schools um, really hard, kind of focusing in, narrowing your focus. Because, and as, as, as Paul Goff said, if you try to accommodate for everybody, you really accommodate for no one. So if you're just trying to send your application pretty much to everybody, don't really have a specific uh, intention. And I think my intention is that I want to go for, you know, a certain school and attack that school as far as like trying to make a really um, competitive application specifically towards that school. And I think, I guess at my point in my experience at this point in my life, I think applying to PT school, that would be my recommendation for people that are trying to look to PT school is find one or two schools that you value and attack those schools that, you know, be relentless in contacting them, um, get to know them. Like, because when they start to look at that application, they're not just going to see an application. They're going to see your name and then they're going to see and face with that because you've already, or a face, if you've introduced yourself, you're, they're going to see a person. And then we get back to the emotional component of, you know, of, okay, this person has introduced themselves. They've been here maybe they've they've you know it's not just a name it's not just logistics as far as like this person has this gpa you've already you've bridged that it's a it's a people profession and 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 to think that applying to schools is any different is uh is nonsense uh, i think that's just how i see it at this point and I, i'm not trying to that's just how i see it so to be able to target the schools that you really want to go to and, and that also depends on the circumstances but to have that ability to really try to target those schools um, does become an advantage. Just um, quickly before we move on, what are the other schools you're applying to? So if people are listening and are interested in uh, Tennessee State and or looking for some other schools to apply to, uh, what are the, the other schools that, you're, that you have interest in? One school that I was looking at was University of St. Augustine. It's still on the table, um, but there are some uh, positive and negatives of, there, there are things that balance out. And University of St. Augustine, I was looking at their flex program uh, last four years. Um, but um, due to some personal issues, I, I, I thought that that might fit the kind of uh, outlook that I wanted to go, or at least the path that I wanted to go. Um, but just, so I was looking at University of St. Augustine in either Florida, California, or Texas in the flex program, because there's some people that have gone that route. And um, after talking with some people, for me personally, I still have it on the table, but I don't know if that's my first choice right now. So it's kind of one that's been on the table. So it, 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 I've kind of been on the non-traditional route as far as like hybrid programs. I looked at South College and I, you know, just as far as just a little bit different in their method of delivery as far as their content and the information. And I overall, once I had, once I went to the live event and talked to some people, I think Tennessee State was just kind of, it was just like that, that fit it seemed like the fit, but once I went and did the research, um, I was just like, okay, well, this is kind of where I was, what I was looking for the whole time. It just took a while to really uh, focus on it because I think, and I'll go back to this point, is trying to focus on being a great applicant for everybody. Really, it's just kind of like, it's almost overwhelming that it's just like, oh my gosh, like 
how can I be an applicant for everybody? I can't, for me personally, like I'm not a, like a perfect student or even like a great student. I'm an average student and uh, that just tries really hard. So I think there was times and I think I talked to Berg because Berg has a lot of videos out there with students with low GPAs. Um, you know, if I apply to certain schools, I don't have a low GPA. But if I apply to another school, I would definitely have a low GPA. So it's just all in the context of what school you're applying to and what they value. And so I think once I started honing, honing in where I was applying to, I could really actually take action as opposed to just being frustrated that nothing was working out and not taking any positive steps forward. Once I started to narrow down my focus, all of a sudden things started to kind of come into place. I started taking action. I started to actually complete things and really uh, avoid stagnation, which was kind of a reason that I got into SSPT in the first place was that I was very stagnant in where I was as an applicant. And so taking action from there. So doing your homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, doing your homework first, obviously knowing what you want personally, but also being realistic about um, the situation. And so obviously if that's a lower GPA, kind of like what you're talking about with Berg, um, is there are certain schools that will uh, take certain GPAs. And yeah, you're right. Like based on where you apply, your GPA could be high, low, or average. And so um, doing your homework is, is key. Um, and as we kind of conclude, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. But as we conclude, a question that we've been asking all of our guests is in kind of looking back, um, and for you, it could be the last four years, five years, I mean, to the point where you were starting your journey towards physical therapy. What is something that you have acquired now or that you know now that if you were able to talk to the younger version of yourself, you would tell that younger Alex? Uh, because listening right now is that individual who is where you were at that point. And they're saying, man, like whatever he says right now, I will, I will take it and run with it because it's wisdom that only comes with experience. Uh, so what would that be, sir? Speaking now at 23, like 23 years on this earth, and that's not many at all, but I do, I guess for what it's worth, um, you have to be willing to take chances and risks. Like that's just kind of been my motto. It hasn't always been growing up in a very like stable environment, or at least like stable environment, uh, going outside the norm isn't isn't uh, received well and from some people around me. And although, you know, it has its benefits of being, having this stability, just taking that chance, like, you know, just taking the chance, taking the risk, like, was it easy sticking out some money for SSBT? No, it wasn't. It, I didn't have, uh, at least at the time, I didn't really know how I was all going to make things work, but I figured that out eventually. I figured it out. I just made it happen. And, you know, I think at 23, just taking that chance and that risk is it, there's always going to be some kind of lesson in that risk is like, okay, well, why did I not uh, succeed in that endeavor? Um, you can look back and even if it didn't pay off financially or for whatever reason, you could still learn something from that experience. You can always learn something from an experience, uh, whether it's good, bad, you know, whatever it might be. And I think just overall, if I could do it again, um, go back, was that, man, there were so many opportunities for me to take chances even before SSPT. Uh, why wasn't I taking those? And it was because I was just, uh, I was hesitant. Um, and I, and kind of like even going back to when I was, uh, had like every school on my radar trying to be the perfect applicant for every school. By trying to be the perfect applicant for every school, I was pretty much no one's great applicant. I, I didn't do anything. 
And so by taking no chances, I thought that, okay, well, I'll have like, I, I, I'm very predictable and nothing, nothing was very like satisfying for me. And when I started taking risks as far as like SSPT and going to the live event and putting myself out of my comfort zone on the regular, putting myself out of my comfort zone allowed me to grow. And I just think at this point, though, if you're like a student listening, take, an, take a chance, like just take a chance, like email a mentor, email somebody that you really admire uh, as a mentor professionally, just take that chance and be like, hey, I know you work here and here. Like I really want an opportunity to shadow you or whatever. Um, the fact that you show interest and um, motivation to go out and make that connection will speak a lot about your character. And the hardest part is, is just picking up the phone and doing it, right? That's, I think, the, t- the toughest part is, you know, just before you do a speech, the toughest part is actually right before the speech. It's not while you're doing the speech, I think, personally. And uh, I think just kind of taking that leap of faith. Like, you don't know where it's going to go, but you just have to trust yourself. Like, you just got to trust yourself and make that decision. And if not, you could probably learn from it regardless. Take risks faster. I love yeah. it, man. I love and it. What are your favorite ways to study that someone can pull from right now if they're struggling. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm like big on this because I was so long, like for so long, I thought like, okay, study, like study, 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 like read, like know every part of like that you can about something as far as like just know the material like through and through. And I think first off, you have to get to a point where you're studying at least a week in advance. We at least a week in advance. So you're not studying a week in advance. Your anxiety is going to play up, and I'm I've been there. I've done that. So if anybody struggles with like test anxiety, something like that, I've been through it. Please reach out to me, Casey, Joseph, like anybody. Like we will like help you because we've known somebody that's either experienced that or been a part of it. And I think at least studying a week in advance, but knowing your limits. So like, and I think this kind of goes back to like physical therapy, um, as far as like nutrition and even like dieting is don't like push yourself, but don't beat yourself up. So like if you're studying a week in advance and you're getting really overwhelmed a week in advance that you don't know something, all right, put the book down, go out for a hike, go out for like a bike ride, do whatever you need to do, something you enjoy and come back to it eventually when you're focused, because, um, there was a video and I don't, I don't know, and maybe I could put the the video link uh, somewhere eventually uh, with with this. But I think there was a study that was done, and really it shows the capacity for the human brain and their attention span. And it shows that, like after about thirty minutes, uh, thirty minutes at most, the brain pretty much loses interest, like as far as the, their ability to focus. And so I think sometimes I would think that I was studying for two hours. But I really wasn't studying for two hours. I was studying for 30 minutes and wasting, you know, another <laughs> an hour and a half. And so once I would like get done, I was like, man, I just studied for two hours and I don't feel like I know anything. And I'm just like, there, right, right. So you're just like, okay, you got to take the wins with the losses. Like I studied. So just if you're studying a week in advance, get like 30 minutes, put a timer on it. 30 minutes that you, like you studied hard. And after that 30 minutes, when you're zoned out, all right, I'm going to go do something fun for like 10 minutes. And once I'm like ready to focus again, I'll get back to it. And you set the timer again and you study hard again, but don't like push yourself to a point where you're just like, Oh, I got to sit here for three hours and study because that is not going to work. That rarely does that work. (laughs) And I've been there and done that. So I think just in general, like just knowing yourself as far as like, Hey, if you don't want to be studying right now, like if you can't be focusing right now, 
accept that, go do something fun and then come back to it, come back to it. And that's, that's hard too, but you've got you to know yourself well to do that. And I, that's, that's what I would recommend. Thank you, Alex, for joining us on the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. Thank you you for having me. For those of you that have joined us on this episode, whether you're on iTunes um, or anywhere else, if you guys are listening to this currently, uh, you guys can uh, get Alex on Facebook. And Alex, where can they find you if they look you up? Yeah, so uh, my Facebook's Alex Jasper. Twitter, Instagram, any kind of handle is Alex B. Jasper. Pretty simple. But if not... uh, yeah, just connect with me or connect with Joseph and, you know, and Casey, they can uh, direct you to me if, if need be. Perfect. If you guys have any questions for him, he's a pre-PT student like most of y'all. Um, and so he has a lot of wisdom even at this stage. So if you guys want to reach out to him, either through us or through him, thank you once again for joining us on the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. This is a part of the show where we support the people who support us. First, we'd like to mention Smart Success PT, founded by Greg Todd. This course helps you increase your value and build your brand as a physical therapist. What is Smart Success PT? It's an online course, lifetime access, that gives you step-by-step instructions on how to make more money as a PT, improve your worth to your employer, and gain more time for yourself and for your family by learning the most current leverage strategies as a physical therapist. It also helps you catapult your career, expand your network, and achieve your goals. So check out Smart Success PT. Next, I'd like to mention newgradphysicaltherapy.com in conjunction with covalentcareers.com. New Grad Physical Therapy is an online platform that offers you content with topics including careers, clinical skills, licensing, grad school, insurance, residency, and they even have an audio series to help you study. The parent company to New Grad Physical Therapy is Covalent Careers. This is a sophisticated web platform that helps PTs find the right opportunities and jobs after PT school. Their main goal is to be the champions for New Grad Physical Therapists, helping them cross the void from student to new PT, especially in regards to career resources. They have tons of helpful content for both job seekers and employers. It is meant to inform both on how to identify what is the best match for both parties and to make that happen. The platform also allows you to start networking and communicating with potential employers well before graduation. It's a great way to explore employment options well before that stressful time of actually having to find a job. Sign up for your free profile at covalentcareers.com. Use my code C-A-S-E-Y 2017. That's Casey 2017. If you're skeptical on why you should use my code or anything like that, don't worry. It's just a way for us to track how well this message is reaching you. So sign up and I'll see you inside. Next, I'd like to mention FitBucks.com. F-I-T-B-U-X. This is an online financial platform that helps you map your financial future before, during, and after PT school. So go check them out, fitbucks.com. Lastly, I'd like to mention healthsnaps.com. It provides video and messaging for you and your patient. Telehealth is here, telehealth is the future. Go check them out, healthsnaps.com.
www.preppt.com. Now many of you may be wondering on why PrePT Grind is promoting things that seem unrelated to PrePTs. Well that's where I beg to differ. These resources are very much related to PrePTs and their success. This is where PrePT Grind separates itself. Our goal is not just to get you into PT school, but our goal is to make sure you thrive once you're in and beyond. This is not a 16-week class that gives you a final exam, then sends you on your way. We have you set up all the way to the end of the journey. So stick with us, keep listening, and we've got you covered. Thank you again so much for listening to the Pre-PT Grind Podcast. We will see you.